This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, John Carlson returns with a fresh look at the latest numbers and an overview of the Metro Vancouver real estate market and lots more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're working on this week. Canada's central bank left its interest rate unchanged this week, as expected, with Governor Stephen Polaz saying the Bank of Canada has been expecting slower global economic growth but the slowdown has, quote, been more pronounced and widespread than was forecasted in January. He then zoomed in on our economy and pointed out that while the bank assumed Canada's economy would also slow down, the drop in our fourth quarter was again, quote, sharper and more broadly based than expected. The other reasons for the stand pad approach household overspending and overborrowing, the cooling off of the real estate markets, weaker oil prices, and global trade wars eroding business confidence. This could signal a long rest in interest rate increases, although any talk of a cut in rates is not on the table yet. Amazon said Wednesday it'll shut down all its pop-up shops and focus on opening more of its bookstores as it rethinks its brick-and-mortar strategy. There are 87 of those pop-up shops in malls, Whole Foods, grocery stores, and department stores. Amazon didn't say when the pop-up shops would shut down, but reports are they will be at the end of April. Amazon has been making a big push into brick-and-mortar stores, buying up the Whole Foods grocery chain, opening 19 bookstores, and 10 of those cash or less convenience stores. But sales at all the physical stores dropped a few points in the last months of last year compared with the year before. Besides opening more bookstores, Amazon said it also plans to expand its four-star stores, which it began to open last year and which will sell a mix of products including cookware and toys. As usual, Seattle is where we'll likely see the first edition of these new stores just a couple of hours down I-5. For experimental retail... On a mass scale, Amazon never stops trying new ideas. We'll keep you posted. The province reported this week there's a possibility Tesla will close its three Vancouver retail sales outlets as Elon Musk and company move to online car shopping. Tesla posted a story on its website about closing most of its 378 stores worldwide, nine of them in Canada, including the three here in Vancouver, saying it's shifting to online sales worldwide. And then they threw in... Here in North America, you know, you can buy a Tesla with your phone in less than one minute. Okay, so maybe what about a, oh, I don't know, a test drive? Oh, not necessary, says Tesla. If you don't like the car you've ordered by phone, and as long as it has less than a 1,000 miles on it, Tesla will make it easy to return it. Well, not too surprisingly, Tesla stock took a $40 per share hit the day of that announcement. Interesting timing, too, as Tesla is all set to reveal its new Model Y crossover this coming Thursday. 
On Wednesday, Transport Minister Mark Garneau announced new regulations for seaplane operators and their passengers, and they're all about PFDs, or personal flotation devices, otherwise known as life jackets. As of next summer, all seaplanes operating in Canada will need to have personal flotation devices for everyone on board. And here's one of the big changes. If that plane has nine or fewer people on it, you will have to wear that life jacket whenever you're on or above the water. Higher capacity planes will still have to have a PFD for everyone on board, but you won't have to wear them at all times. And commercial seaplane pilots are also going to have to be trained on underwater issues. Lots of time to prepare for what many say are overdue safety rules changes, again coming next summer. And an image change is underway for one of the major car sharing fleets in Vancouver. Car2Go has merged with BMW's car share service to create something new called Share Now, which will eventually become a fleet of Mercedes, Smart, BMW, and Mini vehicles. Share Now, Vancouver's general manager, says you may soon notice some rebranding. It's not going to be the whole fleet in a day, but over the next few weeks, there will be some vehicles that will be adapted, and then over time, they'll all be updated. Car2Go, or Share Now, has more than 200,000 members in Vancouver, and along with Modo, Evo, and other brands, has definitely founded niche among Vancouver consumers. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have even more for you later in the hour. But coming up in just a moment, John Carlson, Johnny 1% with a Vancouver market real estate update. Stay with us. You're on CKNW and this is Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation. Johnny 1% is back on the airwaves of CKNW. Welcome. Good afternoon, Sterling. It's great to be here as usual. Thank well, you. it's good to have you with us. And uh, from Ben and me and uh, a lot of your fans on the radio, belated happy birthday, Mr. Carlson. John's uh, big day was yesterday, and he's still here to tell us the story today. So it must have been a good party, but under control. It's good to still be around. Thank you. <laughs> now we've got some fresh numbers here, John. We've got uh, here in early March. It usually takes about a week. And we have the latest numbers for the previous month now from the Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver. Can you give us kind of an executive summary of what they're what they're talking about this time around? Well, the real estate market is in a, in a period of change in Greater Vancouver, and of course, the, the various real estate boards will publish their monthly statistics, and we just had, uh, you know, the, the February statistics come out, and following the trend that we saw in December and January and February, sales are down from the high years of 2017 and 2018, sure. the first half. So we're looking at uh, a February. The good news is February was about 30% more active than January. Right. So typically the market takes off and we're in a position now where we're seeing the market starting to take off a little bit. Listings are hitting and I think some buyers are jumping back into the game. But the overall feel is that the numbers are not as strong as they were in the high times of the market in terms of sale prices of most segments, and activity is down significantly. We're looking at 30 to 40% change from typical times in the previous hot markets in February and March. So we're in an adjustment period, and I think if I'm correct, the report stated that buyers are still, they have a little bit of the leverage out there. Yeah, I've got the website open here. Let me just find the exact, housing market conditions, John, continue to favor home buyers. Yeah. Is this simply because of the uh, availability of options in terms of listings? Partly. I think a lot of it goes into it. The perception of buyers has changed uh, because the recipe had changed. Financing rules that we've talked about, it's harder to, to borrow as much money as you could uh, maybe a year or two ago. 
Sure. And those people that can afford to borrow enough money with the new stress test, there, there's fewer of them that can afford to spend, you know, in these higher segments. So those uh, those segments have suffered a bit from financing. And then, of course, the provincial government and taxes and regulations and these messages that they've sent out saying, hey, we want to bring the real estate market under control. And a lot of people do want to see the market you know, under control. It had kind of got out of control in a lot of ways. So what we're seeing now is an adjustment. I think consumers are stepping back and saying, hey, buying real estate in Greater Vancouver in the Fraser Valley, it hasn't gone out of style. Right, we're course. still looking at that. But on the other hand, maybe we should be smart about it. Maybe we should step back. Maybe we should wait. Maybe we should be a little bit more patient or be a little bit more discerning. So... I'm finding, I mean, listings are selling, but you got to be one of the good listings and you got to take into account where the buyers are coming from right now. If all you remember as a seller is the great old time when your neighbor sold last year, a year and a half ago and got six offers. And, and it 50 took like over, three or four hours. Just keep in mind that it's a different recipe. No a different, kidding. Different stuff has gone but to the market Even in now. those days, let me just interrupt, John. Sure. Even in those days when there was reckless profiteering going on, when the sale of a house would take a matter of hours, let alone days. Uh, I mean, even in the middle of all of that, those of us who were caught up and you were just going flat out those of us who were caught up in it all knew instinctively this was unsustainable this could not last and gosh weren't we right well, there's hot times and cooler times and uh, everything changes. So absolutely. Uh, and you know, the time will come when the market gets hot again. What I'm th- finding very encouraging is even among some of the doom and gloom that you'll read out there, the market is actually surviving quite well. Right. I mean, we're down from the high times, but if you want to sell a house, let's say you want to downsize, you want to sell your bigger house and move into a townhouse, the kids have left, or mm-hmm. maybe your newlyweds, maybe another kid coming, you want to sell your condo and buy a house. The nice thing is, you can sell in a reasonable period of time if you put a decent offering out there on MLS and you probably have a bit of a more relaxing time when it comes to find the next place because you've got more to look at than you would have last year or two years ago and you can make a more rational decision. So the market is not bad. The sales are down and the buyers are a little bit more discerning, a little bit more careful, but this is a great environment. If you decide, hey, it's time to make a move, you can sell, you can buy, you're not going to be panicked, you're not going to be rushed, and you can make a good decision. So I really don't think there's anything wrong with the market. It's not on fire anymore, uh, but it's still a market that you can operate in and be successful. And speaking of making a move, it's pretty safe to predict here on March the 9th that, yes, in 2019, another minimum 30,000 people are going to move into Metro Vancouver all of those people are going to require housing of some description. Wanted to ask you back to the numbers. You said that the February numbers were down from February last year, but up from January of this year. Two questions out of that, John. Is January typically the slowest month of the year? And secondly, if a house, uh, the sales volumes are decreasing, how about prices? That's what sellers are most concerned with. Uh, If if volume is, is, uh, there are more options available, more listings. How about prices? Are they holding? Are they starting to slide a little? What's the status there? Well, it depends on the segment that you're in. Okay. And yes, uh, January is usually one of the slower months. December and January, people have other things on their mind sure, and the weather's sure. not the best. Okay. But um, it depends on the segment that you're in when it comes to pricing. The higher price markets in general tend to be more susceptible to the, to the slower market. Um, but uh, on the other hand, uh, it depends kind of, you know, if you're looking at a condo or something in a, in a, in a good area sure. where there's not a lot of good competition, there's a lot of potential buyers, those ones are, are holding relatively steady. But I'm finding that overall, I think the pressure is on prices coming down a little bit. There's not pressure pushing them up. I think that really now what you're seeing is 
again, buyers who have a different idea of what might be going on out there and not feeling pressured to act right now, maybe they'll wait and see what happens for a few months. And as soon as you pull the buyers out of the location, out of the, out of the equation, yeah. the listings start to add up. And that creates the dynamics that say, hey, there's a lot of supply, the demand is low, and sellers will reluctantly, usually, you know, ratchet their prices down. Well, we have to relist or we have to adjust the price or we might have to accept a slightly lower offer or maybe a new listing down the street came at a more reasonable price and it sold and we didn't. So now we're readjusting things. And so the overall effect when you have pressure uh, for sellers to compete for buyers is that those prices will ratchet down a bit. So that has been the trend. It probably will continue. But this is, this is precisely the point of having a, a good professional veteran real estate agent in your corner at a time like this, because as we are in a state of flux, as there is definitely movement in the marketplace, albeit some of it negative, nonetheless, it's a constantly changing marketplace. And you have to be uh, pretty fast on your feet in terms of uh, adjusting that strategy if you're determined to sell your home and get the most you can at the time for it. You've got to have a pro in your corner, John. Well, most people want to maximize the sale. They want to get as much as they can for it. They want to keep as much money in their pocket as they can. And to do that, really, I mean, you need a good agent um, because I think a good agent empowers a seller, gives them confidence, gives them information so they can make really good decisions. Right. Somebody who's on their side and may not have all the answers all the time, but can to point uh, to some, you know, to some good uh, rationale that might lead you one direction or another. So I would say definitely, uh, you know, it's always important to know your stuff. The more you know, and the better representation you have, I think the more confident and the stronger you are on the market when potential offers come. Because I'll tell you this, even in this market, if you're priced really well, you're one of the best listings out there, you're going to get offers and you're going to get shown, but buyers may still bring a, bring an offer that's a little bit low because they're cautious. Sure. And sometimes a good agent, uh, the job of a good agent is to demonstrate value to that other buyer or that other agent and say, hey, I'm not going to try to convince you to pay more than you think a property is worth. But on the other hand, these are some factors you might consider, and this is the seller's position, and relaying that to a buyer in such a way that you can get them up to the proper price that a seller might accept. By way of summarizing last month's activity, let me quote again from the uh, Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver website and their president, Phil Moore, quote, For much of the past four years, we've been in a seller's market. Conditions have shifted over the last 12 months to favor buyers, particularly in the detached home market. This means that home buyers face less competition today, have more selection to choose from, and more time to make their decisions. Close quote. That last part, again, back to the insanity of a year or two ago right now, when you had maybe 15 minutes right. to get a bid on an offer in, uh, otherwise you're out of the game. All of that, really, insanity is gone. And we get to breathe and we get to think before we make decisions. I think so. It's a more relaxing market to operate in, but it's not as exciting for sellers because... Well, I suppose not. <laughs> Nothing like a parade of potential buyers on your street, is there? But you can still, like, I always think of getting my clients a win. You can still get wins in this kind of market. You can get a property on the market, get a really good, strong offer, and then go and find a property and negotiate a good deal on that purchase, too. Right, so, okay. Uh, I think it's a wonderful market to operate in. You just can't have expectations that you might put a sign on the yard and have it gone in 24 hours. You're going to have to work at it. And you're going to have to have good representation. I think that's what I offer. In the past, you and I have talked about the seasonal aspects of the real estate business and the, the optimum times and the, the, low, the low ebbs, as you've already told us, are typically year to year, December and January. We're pretty occupied with a whole lot of other stuff and weather tends to get in the way as well. Right. So spring, though, as uh, you've informed us many times, is usually peak real estate season. What are your hopes or what are you anticipating for spring 2019 in Metro Vancouver? 
Well, my first hope would be that spring actually arrives. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I that, think it that will. That little burst we had yesterday was just rude, wasn't it? Well, yeah, assuming that it does arrive. Um, <laughs> well, what I'm expecting to see is people who have been thinking about selling and haven't been sure, a lot of them are going to jump into the market and they're going to need a good agent. So uh, I am getting calls from people saying, hey, you know, I think it might be time for me to consider selling. Could you come and talk to me and maybe give me some advice of what to do to my home or what it might be worth and right. that sort of thing. So I'm getting a lot of those calls and I think other agents are as well. So Typically in spring, you know, people get over the Christmas and the winter holidays and they start getting back to business real estate wise, you know, the tulips bloom and the acreages dry out a bit and look better and the views get better in the condos and all that sort of stuff. So yes, I think we're going to see a lot of new listings hit in the next few months and it remains to be seen how strong the buyers come back. But I can tell you that my experience so far in January and February has been a successful one. I mean, good listings are selling. Um, So it's all about positioning right now. And um, in terms of timing, it might be a good time too, because some people like to list their house in say March, because when they finally sell in like 30 days later, Maybe there's a whole bunch of new listings out there. So there's more to choose from, too. When you sell in December and January, you don't have a lot to that's look true. at. Yeah. So a lot of good things go into the spring, and that's why people jump in it. And I'm expecting it to be busy. You've talked about government intervention, federal, provincial, municipal. They've all had their fingers in the pie trying to mess with the market one way or another to some uh, to varying degrees of success. But in terms of supply and demand, which are ultimately the two driving factors, we know that there is an abundance of supply. That's uh, obvious in the market. March numbers. Where's the demand these days, John? What what type of accommodation is most in demand around Metro Vancouver? Well, I think that there's two kinds of buyers in general, just to be kind of you know general about this. There's the discretionary buyers. They might be people that could sell this year or next year, and they're not really sure, and maybe it's an investment property they could hang on to, or maybe they could keep it. And, and you know, those, those guys might be waiting to see what happens. But sure. then there's the more sort of day-to-day comparison shoppers. A young couple gets married or they have a child. And they said, hey, let's get a place together. They go out and get a mortgage approval. They look for the best property they can find that meets their criteria and they, they make an offer on that. Right. So those kind of buyers are still out there. Most of those buyers tend to be uh, more in the entry-level segments, you know, good detached houses that are in affordable areas, uh, condos, townhomes, that kind of thing. Uh, the higher, you know, multi-million dollar property is a little bit different story there. Some of those people are still waiting to see what happens in that higher end. But right. I think those are the most in demand. The more affordable properties, the clean ones that show well and that are priced well. That's key. Well, I'm glad you brought up the the part about showing well, because that's, again, something you've alluded to two or three times already in this brief conversation. Uh, it's, it's all about being prepared, or as they like to say, hitting the ground running. If you want to play in the game, make sure that you've got your pads on, you've got yourself organized, and you can take a hit if you need to, to play and, and survive. So it's all about planning. It's all about strategy. And and the best possible, presenting your home to the potential buyers of the world in the best possible light. And we'll take a break for the news here. And when we come back, we'll dive into that. We'll find out about maybe some tips and some strategies for being the most attractive house you can present to the world. John Carlson from Johnny1percent.com or Johnny1percent.ca. We'll be back after the news. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer for this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson from 1% Realty and Johnny1percent.com or Johnny1percent.ca. Beware of imitators. Johnny1percent.com. John, I'm looking at the, uh, we were doing uh, some reports, some numbers from the uh, February sales figures. The Greater uh, Vancouver Real Estate Board uh, releases these at the end of every month. And in addition to the numbers that we've already talked about, 
uh, I'm, I'm just sort of trolling through the, the Vancouver Real Estate Board website, and they have this whole segment devoted to choosing the right home starts with choosing the right realtor, which, of course, makes perfect sense, especially if you're the Real Estate Board. But all of these tips begin with, number one, ask people you trust. It's all about still, in this modern, hyper-communicative age, it's still about word of mouth. I really think so. The word of mouth has been huge for my career. I've been doing this 23 years, and I constantly get calls from people I've worked with, their family members, or friends. And that's that's a compliment. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Because in this day and age, as we know, anybody can uh, register a domain name and throw out a website out there and throw some stuff out there and just say, hey, call me, I'm great. Mm-hmm. But I think it really does help. It always feels good to me anyways when someone calls me and said, hey, my sister said you did a great job for her and so we want to work with you. But yeah, talk to people you know. I mean, there's lots of good agents out there. Like in any profession, there are those with more skill level than others and you should look around and choose carefully. Right. And, and you have maintained on this program many, many times, today's consumer is a very informed individual. And number two is study the neighborhood. And if you're looking to sell your house, Obviously, you're going to be paying attention to signs on other people's lawns and checking them out on MLS and finding out how much they want for theirs, which puts you into an instant ballpark, doesn't it? Well, it does. And the consumers are very well informed nowadays. But what I find is um, interpreting that information is sometimes the key. Mm -hmm. People come invite me over and they they know certain things about and they're, they're quite well prepared. But they generally all ask me the same sort of question. How does this relate to me? And how do you see this? And how does that? So, yes, uh, there's a lot of information out there, a lot of good information. Consumers need to be informed. And um, sometimes a professional like myself is good at helping them interpret that and apply it to what they're doing. And uh, some of the application, John, involves simple real estate basics like making your home look good. It's the presentation aspect. The old curb appeal thing still very much at play, isn't it? Absolutely. And most people understand this uh, and they want to maximize the way their house looks. And, you know, that's one of the things I can give advice uh, uh, to people about. Um, But it's also about pricing. It's also about talking about dates and how can you make the home available and how can I make the property easy for buyers to get the information about and easy to view and easy to write offers on and all that sort of stuff. So part of it is preparation and part of it is uh, setting the stage for success in terms of your positioning and preparedness. Yes. When people call you up and, and invite you into their homes to ask you these basic questions about, you know, what do you think it's worth? And you can do a walkthrough and, uh, and, and give them a, a market appraisal that's sure. going to be pretty darn close. Uh, and they also, I'm sure want to know more about your company. They want to know more about 1% Realty because you're different. You do business, you do the same business differently. And because of the 1%, it's right there in the name of the company. That's nobody's, right. nobody's holding any secrets back here, John. No. But you do business differently. A little bit differently, yeah, in, in terms of the, the rates that we charge at yes. 1% Realty. Now, I was at these other companies for many years, you know, so I've, I've got 23 years under my belt. And I was at these other big companies and I charged, you know, the, what is the more common rate nowadays. There's, the rates change. They're, they're not... It's not standard, but typically you might see 7% of the first 100,000, two and a half of the balance. And I worked under that yeah, for many years. Yeah, that's pretty typical stuff. That, yeah. yeah, 13, 14 years. But I made a business decision to go to 1% realty. And when I did, I 
wanted to save people money, but I also wanted to grow my business because I knew if I put a better value proposition out there, but I didn't cut corners. In other words, I did the full job and put all my experience to work and all my expertise that people would come up with a better result. And, and they do. So yeah, the 1% business model for me, it's business as usual. Uh, if I were an agent that maybe didn't know how to sell properties or didn't have any experience and I charge a lower commission, well, I would not be worth it because I'd probably end up costing you more money than I saved you. Right. But again, the Johnny 1% model is really to provide top level service and professional professionalism with a lower commission structure and letting people keep more of their own money. Because really, when you look at the market, we can talk about preparing your house, we can talk about positioning it price-wise, we can talk about all these things. Not high up on this list would be commissions. Buyers aren't looking at houses and saying, hmm, I wonder how much money my agent will get if, if I buy this one. Of course it really not. isn't part of the equation. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that other agents aren't valuable and they're a good resource, but the question is, where do you draw that line? I mean, at 1% realty, we offer out half a percent commission on anything over seventy uh, over 700000 Under 700000 it's 3500 to the buyer's agent. So you're going to save a lot of money working with me at 1% realty compared to the majority of the competition. The question in people's minds is, hmm... How does it work and how can you really do it? And, and, you know, this actually hit me. My wife will laugh if she's listening to me on this, but she sent me out to buy some tea. We were out of tea and we usually like to host. And I saw this tea that was on sale and it was a no-name brand and right. I'm not putting anybody down, but I brought this stuff home thinking, hmm, it smells just the same. And I brought it home and I can tell you two tea bags in a cup and you still can't taste it. So oh. there are cheaper products out there in a lot of industries that are just subpar. Let's face it. Mm -hmm. If you're going to pay half the price of something else, usually you're going to get half the service. In real estate, I'm just going to suggest to consumers that it's an awful big commission that some agents are asking. And there's a lot of room for someone who can do some volume to do a very good business by charging less. And that's my specialty. Right. But the marketplace is, is pretty conditioned to those other rates that you were just talking about. The, that's right. The rates that you worked for for a dozen years or more. Everyone expects that. Right. So when you come along offering the same essential service package for less money, in some cases it generates suspicion. Wait a second yes. now. I'm, he's charging less. He's, he's promising the same as everybody else. But there's a gap. So what's in that gap? That's right. And we talked about word of month, uh, word of mouth. Right. And this also plays into this because very commonly, I'll step into someone's home, I'll be invited in, we'll talk about, and they might say, gee, you know, we talked to somebody else and they said that if we listed with 1% Realty that maybe we wouldn't get the support of other agents or maybe no one would show it or maybe we wouldn't get so... You know, there are, and that's the reason I'm out here on the Vancouver Consumer Show, to let people know that commissions do not drive sales in real estate. I right. mean, they're a part of things, but, um, you know, if you put a $100,000 commission on a property, is it going to sell for $100,000 more than your neighbor? Absolutely not. You know, so you got to think about what's reasonable. And, um, and that's where I come in in terms of explaining how I do business, what I charge, how the real estate industry works. And I've got, I don't know, somewhere near a thousand sales under my belt. So I've been around a few times and I can generally give people an idea of what to expect. We've been quoting the uh, the sales statistics and some uh, some quotations, actually, from the Greater Vancouver Real Estate Board on the program today. And one other aspect of what they do around uh, this part of the British Columbia is they have a uh, they have an awards program to top realtors called the President's Club. And our guy, John Carlson, yet again in 2018, a member of the President's Club. That's the top one percent of all realtors in Metro Vancouver through sales volume. And so congratulations again, John. Well Thank done. You. And that that is indication to those who might be considering 1% that here's a guy that uh, is, is not only Johnny 1% on the internet and in the President's Club is 1%, but in fact is, is operating at the peak 
of, of a realtor uh, capability in the industry. So there you go, John. A- and what I'm after here, though, is is money. We're talking Me about too. the I know, <laughs> but the one percent. Uh, this is where I'm going with this. Uh, in terms of the the difference that the seller. Right. is going to have to pay in commission. Now, let me let me take a million-dollar property. I'm on johnny1percent.ca here, friends. There's a grid halfway down the homepage of John's website, Johnny1%. Uh, and it lets, it, all sorts of prices are listed, but it's really an ordinary number in 2019 in Metro Vancouver, a million-dollar house or property. So 1%'s commission on a $1 million sale is just a touch under eleven grand. Most other brokers will charge you just a touch under 30 grand savings to you $19,000 now if you're in a declining price market and you're looking at 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 trying to squeeze every penny you can into the profit column after the day is done well if you're paying a lot less in commission in this case on a million dollar home 19,000 bucks. Well, you know, that may affect how you're able to price your home even more attractively, John. That is a great point. And uh, this has happened many times to me, uh, most recently, just earlier this week, where uh, a lady had called me. She had a condo on the market with another company and didn't sell. And, and it's not the only one. I mean, there are properties that didn't sell over, say, December and January, sure. and maybe February. Uh, but it was very interesting because she called me over. We talked about, you know, the market. The listing had expired, so she was, you know, available to talk to other agents. And she said something to me that that really does make sense. She said, you know, John, I was told that I was going to have to bring my price down to sell. And if I have to, then, you know, guys, I guess I have sure. to. But I don't necessarily want to spend the X dollars amount of commission that these other agents were charging. By my math, working with you, I could net the same amount as I wanted with them because your commission is lower. So, so I was right. Well, I mean, this is something that does enter that? into people's minds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and why wouldn't it enter into your mind? I mean, you want to sell, you want to maximize it. Uh, you might not be interested in paying a huge commission to someone to sell your property, given, you know, what's going on out there. But on the other hand, if you can find a professional who is not cutting corners, who's not just some sort of fly-by-night operation, but is a real professional and charge you less... Hey, that's the icing on the cake, really, is, you know, what you want is a good agent that you can trust, who's going to give you good advice, who's going to give them all, give you all their experience, let you make the right decisions. That's the main thing. A good agent will make you money when you're selling. But how much do you need to pay for that? That's the question. And again, that's my unique value proposition. I'm not a fly-by-nighter. I'm not just somebody throwing out a website there saying, hey, I'm the cheapest guy in town. I'm a proven professional and I give the best advice I can and my clients are generally pretty happy. So what about this business about other realtors from other companies being reluctant to show properties listed by 1%? Well, I have to be careful here, um, but uh, agents have, um, w- when you have a buyer's agent working for you, uh, then it's an agency relationship. That that agent always owes you the duty to show you all available properties. Right. And, and if an agent was going to put their commission ahead of you as a client, I, I would think that could be a problem. Uh, but I don't want to go there too far. The, the the truth of the matter is listings are out there. Buyers are aware of them. Buyers mm-hmm. are comparison shoppers and they want the right property. So when they see a property in a location they want to buy, the price is in their range. They're mm-hmm. going to want to see it. Right. And, uh, you know, 90 some odd percent of my listings are sold by other agents. We offer out less commission. And sometimes when a buyer writes an offer, the agent might ask to increase the commission. I do get that. Uh, and, and then it's up to the seller what they want to do. But I do find by and large, every situation is different buyers want the best value they can. They want good representation, but they don't want to pay more than they have to. Right. And therefore, commission increases are sometimes something that are not um, necessarily part of the deal. 
So I want to ask you, because I know you've got some new listings to tell us about, but just before you get to that, uh, now that we do actually have breathing and thinking time built into buying and selling homes again, the insanity appears to have ebbed somewhat. Uh, how important, John, to you, uh, in terms of recommending it to your clients, how important are home inspections? When you're buying a house? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I really think that they're, you know, and in fact, a professional agent is supposed to always recommend that if a buyer, his client or her client is buying a property that's not a brand new property, you get an inspection done because I've seen some things where, hey, the house looks absolutely perfect, but the inspector goes up and finds, you know, that the, the roof has been leaking and the, 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 the sill plate of the wall has been rotted out and it's a few thousand dollars to fix. So you right. may find things. And, you know, a lot of times in the hot market, people were maybe foregoing inspections. Sure. I know that's what, that's why I've come to it because yeah. what, what home inspection? Come on, you got 15 minutes. You got a bid or not? That's I it. still like it. You know, I, re- I really do. And at yeah. the very least, you find out that the house is in good shape. You get peace of mind. You know where the water shutoff valves are, and you know about the furnace, and you know all these things. So an inspection is always a good idea. I would have an inspection on pretty much any property I bought. Good to hear. Now, how about those new listings at johnny1percent.com? Okay, yeah, thank you. I've got a few new ones here. And the first one of note is in Maple Ridge. This is a house at 849.9. It's listed 11305 Creekside Street. It's only 10 years old. It is 2,500 square feet, five beds, three baths. It's got a self-contained two-bedroom suite at 849.9. It's wow. a great house. Mm-hmm. Back-sloping lot, so upstairs you walk out to a walkout backyard. 11305 Creekside. All of these listings, if you go to johnny one percent.com you can see them you can do uh, photos tours that sort of thing i've also got a condo in hefley in coquitlam north coquitlam by coquitlam center one bedroom and den 680 square feet it's in obelisk and it's on the 17th floor corner unit the list price is 499 i've got one on knight street in mission this is a house 33351 knight avenue in mission 569 this is a house on a 60 by 120 square foot lot little over 2000 square feet great house in mission and i've got a brand Brand new one, another one with a suite in Port Coquitlam, 1881 Suffolk, 808, and it's about 1,800 square feet, one bedroom suite down, three bedrooms up. So I've got a few new listings that I think are quite attractive. If you go to my website, take a look at them. If you want to see them, just give me a call or have your agent give me a show. And there I was just moments ago quoting a typical million-dollar home price, which is regrettably, of course, is still very typical, and yet you've just given us several examples of really nice-sounding homes well under a million bucks. This is for uh, this is good news for a lot of would-be buyers listening to us right now. There's a, they're out there, yes. John uh, Carlson at johnny1percent.com, johnny1percent.ca and is available now at 604-612-0080. 604-612-0080 cuz he's done. Thank you John Carlson. Belated happy birthday greetings again. We'll catch up to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you Sterling. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 1% Realty for another interesting visit. Next week, Sherry McMillan returns with more information on estate planning and another Vancouver seminar. And the world-class dentist from BC Perio will be along with lots more on how to get your smile back. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at the road construction season ahead. Thanks, Sterling. Be prepared to see several roadblocks and closed pedestrian crossings throughout Vancouver this spring and summer. On Thursday, the city unveiled its plans for several major projects and road upgrades planned to start by April or May. And the list of potential traffic hotspots is a long one. That has the city's engineering manager warning drivers 
to plan well in advance before heading onto the streets. It's going to be another busy, a busy year, um, but we are coordinating jobs as much as possible to minimize the impact on, uh, on commuters. 30 kilometers of upgrades are expected across the city's network, including 13 kilometers of water and sewer main work. The upgrades are mostly focused on modernizing the city's underground network and improving pedestrian access, including sidewalk improvements. The projects will also be focused on north-south routes, which the city says will act as a balance to last year's gas line upgrades along East 1st Avenue, which runs east to west. DeBrovely promised this year's road work won't be as painful to drivers as that project, saying it will be phased throughout the coming months in ways that will give commuters plenty of detours. For a full list of affected areas, check out globalnews.ca. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. Of course, it's the fifth season we enjoy every year in Vancouver, construction season. Time for another consumer quickie before we have to go. And Italy is in crisis after an exceptionally poor growing season last year has reduced the supply of olive oil by almost 60%. And the olive oil industry has suffered a billion dollars worth of damage, making it the worst crop in over 25 years. This is unprecedented, and thousands of jobs are on the line as the olive industry looks for economic aid from governments. The olive oil industry, by the way, is worth over 3 billion euros annually, and in Italy alone, there are over 200 million olive trees. So why should Canadian consumers be worried about all this? Well, fake olive oil could become a problem, as unprincipled importers may try to supplement their products with foreign oil and try to pass it off as Italian. And if they use peanut oil in the process, that could pose an allergy problem to many unsuspecting customers. In Canada, where the price of olive oil has shot up by more than 40% since June, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency is cautioning consumers against fraudulent olive oil. The CFIA, by the way, has been expecting olive oil for quality since 06 and has said it will step up its vigilance. As always, though, it's buyer beware when shopping for foreign-made products. Keep your eyes wide open. That is our show for this week, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. You can listen to us anytime on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And you can contact us anytime by email at sterling at cknw.com, or you can tweet us anytime at VanConsumer. Next week... It's Sherry McMillan and the world-class dentist from B.C. Perio. I'm Sterling Fox. Hope to see you again next Saturday at 2 o'clock for another edition of Vancouver Consumer right here on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.